Hi there, it's your Value Through Vulnerability host, Gary Turner here. I had the absolute pleasure of welcoming Ollie Martin, who is a consultant, onto the podcast today. I really enjoyed our conversation. It went in a number of different directions, some of them unexpected, particularly around the, I would say, the correlation or the alignment between agile working, which is a big discussion topic within the world of work, and actually how the police force operates, which is very much alongside natural agile principles um, for all intents and purposes. So, you know, really purpose-driven guy. Ollie's really passionate about trying to help serve individuals to, to better versions of themselves, and that comes through loud and clear on the podcast. And I just really, really enjoyed, you know, a lot of people talk about transferable skills across different sectors, but my God, um, you know, with so many people leaving the forces, as, uh, as Ollie alludes to, I think we in, in the world of work, in civilian work, would be mad not to, take, to make the most of these particular skills. So do have a listen, do reach out to Ollie. I've really enjoyed this podcast and I'm sure you'll find a number of learnings to take away. Thank you. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And today I'm really grateful to welcome Ollie Martin onto the podcast. Hi, Ollie. Hi, Gary. You all right? I'm very well, sir. How are you? Yeah, well, thanks, mate. Very good. Great. Well, look, thanks for joining me this morning. For, for anyone that's listening, so Ollie's a consultant, and I'd just like to introduce, let him introduce himself. So what's your background, Ollie, and uh, what brings you here today? What are you passionate about? Yes, yeah, Gary, so um, thanks for taking on today. The, what I'm, I'm previously a police officer. I was there for 10 years. Uh, I left there four years ago, and I work in still in the government body in regulation, uh, but my real passion now is about helping guys transition from police uh, out into the business sense or into a corporate environment or just chasing something they, they, they dream of uh, and particularly looking after their health and well-being. But also educating uh, business about how they can utilise the brilliant skill sets that police officers do have and can bring with them. Wonderful. Well, well you know, it's really important work. I've been following, obviously, thanks for reaching out a few weeks ago. But I've you know, been following some of your writing, actually, Ollie, which is, it's quite obvious to me, the transferable skills from how you write. So really, so, so really, you, you write beautifully, to be honest. And there's this Thanks, website, the TLE website. Do you mind just explaining that a little bit? Well, what's the background to that website? And uh, you know, yeah. where can you find your work on there? Um, so, so, so anyway, so I, when I started, so for me, I, when I was looking to leave, well, when I left the police, and uh, four years later, I was sort of reflecting on the skill sets I do have and I started what I wanted to try and encourage other officers and not just public police but public service generally on how they can use their skill sets and I really didn't know what how to go about that um, so I got in contact with an old mate of mine from school I've not seen for over 20 years um, and he um, I'm not, I don't know whether he owns or he has he um, oversees any of the publications anyway on the London Economic which is TLE digital magazine uh, vast amount of viewings he said oh you know why don't you just talk about what you did in the police and perhaps that might help other people generally just reading about the environments and situations you have to deal with so that's what I do really for for, the, for those guys um, 
And there's no great science behind it, mate, if I'm perfectly honest. Um, you know, it's just literally my mindset of how I used to approach situations and the experiences I've had of dealing with other people and how they've also approached situations, because that was the main crux of it, really, is facilitating helping other people through their issues. No. Um, and the, how they dealt with them, the different life choices they made, because you've got the different life choices, haven't you? Um, and two people can present it with the same issue, but they can decide to take different paths, if you like, or make two different decisions. And being in the police and exposing yourself to those things, you can see sometimes how one works and one doesn't. So the London, the, the TLE articles I write really is about just perhaps helping people through some of the issues they might come up in life and the experiences I may have had or the part advice I might be able to part, part them with. I do enjoy it. No, it's, it's brilliant. Like I say, your writing's really, really good. Really, you know, and I, I can see the parallels. You know, when, as I've looked through a few of your articles, the yeah. things that jump out to me, um, Ollie, really interesting. So this podcast, as you know, is about vulnerability. It's about awareness. It's about inclusion. And I, the sort of threads I've taken through your through your articles so far are around you know, that awareness piece comes up. Accountability for me, vulnerability, and also. It's going to sound quite funny, you know, people may not see this as this ter- two blokes having a chat talking about self-love, but, you know, sort of actually liking who you are as a yeah. human being. Is, yeah. is, are those themes fair, would you say, from your writing? Yeah, entirely, mate. Absolutely. So I think um, for me, I mean, I, I've had a few struggles, admittedly, and I've got no issue in talking about that now. Um, absolutely, I think everyone needs to. And I think, yeah, the sort of self-love bit, if you like, it, totally is about recognizing literally the day-to-day tasks you have in front of you and how to get over them um and how you feel about those you know um because it is you do have different challenges on a daily basis don't you and you've just you've got to you've just got to understand that well, how you feel about those and how best to deal with them if you put them put them aside then it's certainly going to manifest i think I think you know you said then about you know, two blokes having a chat about self-love. <laughs> That's a bit random, doesn't it? But on all honesty, what the bloody hell should you? People aren't doing a great deal of it these days, are they? Um, I had a one of parallel sort of thing to that. I was chatting to a friend of mine on the weekend. This right, was my friend. It was dad. And I said, mate, when does you know when do the blokes just pop out for a pint these days and just and just talk about the normal stuff? And um, yeah, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Time, time is in essence these days and a lot of pressure on people and time isn't that available to talk about those general issues. But yeah, I, th- I think that's, if that's what you're getting at, mate, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Re- really powerful writing for me. If we can just go back a little bit as, as far as we can with regard to your, you know, what brought Ollie to where you are today? So you've spoken, you know, about your sort of police experience, how those skills transfer for you from police into civilian life, as it were. What, 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 did, what did your career look like for you in the police? How did you get into it in the first place? Was it always a, a passion of yours to sort of enter the forces out of interest? So, yeah, it was. I mean, um, I reflect back in, mum and dad used to say to me when I was two or three years old, I said, I want to be a police officer, I want to be a police officer. Um, now, I've got kids now, they're between two and seven, and two of them, those guys always say I want to be in the police. But, um, but, I, I, but so from maybe from an early age, I was thinking that along those lines. Now, in hindsight, mate, I can see that I've always had a particular passion about helping people. I'm, I'm totally engaged that now. I, I get it. Um, 
I was in the, I did a sports science degree first. I went on to do a master's in sports science. Then a few months into that, I thought, no, this isn't what I want to be doing. I want to, I want to be in the police. Um, partly because I was a student and I was skint, but also because I, I needed something. I wanted to be doing something. I felt really productive. And I thought, well, this, the police is what I've always wanted to do. I joined. So I joined. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The first four years I was in uniform policing. And then the latter six, I went into some more plain clothes and sort of proactive policing. Um, and then the last, particularly the last four years, I, was, I thoroughly enjoyed was dealing with uh, police informants, um, which was, was great. I was met a huge array of characters. And yeah, I think it's that whole amalgamation of 10 years service that um, puts you under pressure. And exposure to certain scenarios make you think be quite alert to decision making um, but I had to leave the police because I had a the, there wasn't any progress for me in terms of promotions um, they'd, they'd all been sort of paused if you like our pay had been frozen but our contributions to pensions were going up so what was taken home was less every year but then we started having kids so for twofold really I needed to start earning some more money but also I wanted to feel some satisfaction that my career on a personal level was, was able to develop and I couldn't do that um, so yeah I spent a couple of years trying to get out of the police mate I took um, I took annual leave to go and work for companies Wow. probably shouldn't have done but I did because I was just desperate to get out um, and looking back, I was, I was, I was depressed, I was 100%. I was over, well overweight. Um, and yeah, I felt particularly isolated. But that said, I did make some progress. Eventually, one of the interviews out of 100 million I probably went on paid off. And I got into a place to where I am now. Four years later, I'm still there. Um, and, I, and I enjoy it. But what I really do see is, and originally I was quite bitter about the police thinking, oh no, it, you know, it, was a, it wasn't a happy place for me towards the end. Um, but now I can see that actually it taught me really well from where I am now. And I want to try and, I can resonate with those guys that are just trying to get out still. And I want to try and help them where possible to come out. Uh, that's, that's it. Do you know something that I've got so many things I want to unpack there, Ollie? So, so many things. No, first of all, I want to say thank you to you and all of the people that do, you know, have done the work, still doing the work that you used to do. And if you got, because do you know something, I feel privileged to be honest, to be having this conversation with you because us civilians, you know, we are all civilians ultimately. But you know, mm -hmm. that you know, the work you guys do and, and the ladies do in the, in the force is incredible. So I just want to put that out there publicly for anyone that listens to this. Just generally, thank you. Thanks, man. On the other side, in terms of what I find also interesting, though, is that it sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, Ollie, had you had the ability to still grow in that role and you know, to thrive, to grow, et cetera, you may still be there. Uh, I think it would be, yeah. Yeah, because I think it, was, it wasn't a matter of I had. It wasn't a matter that I wanted to leave. Uh, it was a matter that I had to, really for my own health, because I was getting so depressed and unable to develop as an individual. But also, yeah, I just couldn't, we couldn't finance the, our family, mate, really. You know, we only had one child at 
time when we were clear that what we wanted in life, my wife Amanda, we wanted three kids. Um, and she was working for the police as well, so shift patterns were awful. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm actually, mate, if, 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 if I could have developed in that role um, and progressed, then yeah, likely that I would probably still be there because I saw real value on what we were doing. Yeah. So that's what probably what fuels me now is going back to find this passion about I need to feel value in what I'm doing every day. Um, and I can get that from helping those people. So what? I think that's what it is. Yeah. No, it's wonderful. The reason I wanted us to sort of explore that a little bit is there's quite a lot of talk at the moment in the world of work around job crafting or trying to create a space for people. And it very much links to what you're you're trying to show people too, Ollie, which is around this, how do we get out of the machine mentality where we say, okay, we've got a job spec. You must fit that perfectly. Otherwise, you're not good enough. Rather than actually, you've got these great skills as Ollie, ex-police officer, you know, trust, you know, vulnerability, awareness, whatever. We could use that over here doing X. I think, I think the world of work is still far too rigid for me at yeah, the moment. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's the trouble that police officers have as well, mate. It's because they're quite rigid. It's, it's difficult. But they, I think they, they pocket themselves into quite a rigid bucket, if you like. And they, they only see, they use it in any, and it's no one's fault, but use the terminology you use on a daily basis in the police, which is also quite rigid. Um, and you can't really see how the softer skills that you've developed, which are incredibly useful, can move into leadership roles and management roles outside of the police force. Um, empathy, active listening, decision making, you know, all this, soft, not necessarily soft skills, but skills that you do inherit from the police, you do adapt to quickly and pick up, how incredibly useful they are outside. Um, but you'll probably you'll probably find the general police officer's CV will say, you know, quite rigid guidelines to what they can do. And actually, in fact, this is far wider, far wider. Yeah. Mm. I, I think why this is important, I think why your work is so important, actually, for me, is that there's a lot of evidence at the moment that as technology continues at the pace that it is, yeah. uh, you know, when you look at the World Economic Forum or a whole host of other re- research reports, you know, these... I don't like the term soft skills and I like the way you try to change it as well. Um, I heard this phrase quite recently, which I loved. One is humanistic skills, which, okay, doesn't roll off the tongue, but catalyst skills. And I went, okay, that's what this is. These, these, these skills actually catalyze a solution in other people if you're good at them. And I just thought that resonates with me a lot. How do you take something from one state to another state? You can only do that with these Catalytic skills, you can't do it with hard skills. You just can't, you can't exponentially change. But with these skills, you can. And I was like, wow. In hindsight, mate, that's exactly what we do as a police officer, aren't you? You walk into a scenario which you're presented with. You don't know what it's necessarily going to be when you get in there. But you have to change that. You take accountability as a police officer to resolve that problem. Because it exists, because other people can't. So, yeah, you've got to use your special catalyst skills, haven't you, to transform that into a solution. And that, no matter how which way it is, you haven't got anything else in front of you but yourself and your verbal communication, your ability to read other people, listen, empathy. To, I suppose catalyze that into a that's the right word into a, into a solution, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I can see that. It's good word actually. Yeah, it's not my one, so I can't remember. I'll put his name. I'll name check him in the show notes afterwards. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's amazing. No, but as you were speaking, it jumps. 
And I just think for me, you know, the world needs more of these skills. So I think the timing for you to be doing what you're doing is wonderful because, you know, if you look at, I looked at some of your other um, writing as well. There seems, there seems to be for me, and I see it in my own work, world of work, my own employer, yeah. my, my network, is I'm not saying everybody needs to go back to sort of public service, although a lot of people talk about that. There does seem to be this, you know, to have to actually get your hands a bit dirty and not have it so easy that you can bully people, you know, you can send people into mental health challenges, et cetera, for people to actually have to be fully accountable and care about their people. Yeah. yeah? Seems yeah. to be like, that seems to be missing a little bit in the world of work. So I think you're in an in- interesting transition point for me. I get that entirely. Um, I, th- I do, mate. I think, I think that's exactly it. And I, but what needs to happen is people need to start understanding that that needs to occur. And that's the, probably the better, as I see it, that's the responsibility of leaders and managers, isn't it? To really listen and help and engage people about what they're good at and encourage them to push along paths that they are, the, the skills that they have got, encourage them to develop and use them and I'm not trying to push them any other way, but utilise them, really understand who they are and what they're about and how that benefits the organisation or team or people, family or home or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think get yeah, talking and engaging people on a really human level um, is, 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 really, is really important. Yeah, I do. No, amazing. What's, um, who or what is inspiring you the most right now, just out of interest, for you, whether it be at home, whether it be at work, you know, what's, what's really firing you up right now? Well, um, it's a big question, mate. I, th- I think, um, I don't know about who, I can't say there's one, any one individual, if I'm honest. Um, I, I'm, I'm loving just being alert to, to what everybody's doing. In, in, in this area that we're talking about. Um, so for example, I, I chat with Simon Dawson, a chap from Medtronic the other week, and he just called me and just talked about how I'm getting on, what I'm doing. And I love to just have a really passionate, normal conversation with someone like we are today about helping people resolve their problems and solutions. I, I, love, I just love it. I really get inspired actually by talking about something I'm passionate about. And I, I love that. Um, in terms of yes, yeah, so people and the things that are driving me, reading articles, seeing how you know there is this little bit of a gap really in reaching out and people being able to find an easy solution or easy chat and easy help. Um, that inspires me. I think well, there's a, we need to fix that. Um, people need to have somewhere to go double chat. I don't mean somewhere to go like really formal. I think we just need to promote the fact that you can have, have a talk, you know, discuss your problems, discuss your issues. And actually, um, so that, that, that inspires me, just to try and fill a gap. Um, but more, I think more, mate, anything, uh, um, my, my own passion is fueling me to, to, to find, to help and write these articles. Um, perhaps to do, do these podcasts. That's that's really fueling me, which is brilliant. Which is what I want other people to feel is to find something that really makes you tick, and just let that be your pure driver every day. Is 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 that not necessarily have to rely or compare on other people? Just get your own fuel, get your own passion, and just every day just pick it up and crack on with it and see where it goes. 
Yeah, I love it. It really resonates for me. I'll say we're both on pretty similar journeys, Ollie, to be honest. Yeah. But, I th- but I think what I like actually is the way I'm just picking up what you just said around this com- competition piece. For me, I think it's really interesting. There's two phrases I'm using quite a lot at the moment. One is service over self and collaboration over competition. And you played into both of those for me. There seems to be with the networks that we're all creating, yeah. we're getting more, we're getting away from trying to get one up on each other and actually going, how do we lift each other up? Is that something you see? Or Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've, um, that, yeah, totally, mate. And I've, I've experienced that in the last couple of weeks. Um, there's a chap called Tom Wheelhouse who runs a company called Mightify. Um, very similar to me in terms of he's come from the police, he's trying to help people transition from the police into whatever they want to be doing, whether it's you know, the health and well-being or jobs or all combined. In some ways, you could probably say we're both doing the same thing, so we're competition. But no, not at all, mate. No, I don't. We're clearly not. We're going to join up and do some stuff together. Um, and I think it is about that. It's, that's exactly what it's about. Is you know, is removing those boundaries that we that come up between everybody now and just say, oh, come on. You know, let's just join up, let's crack on, let's discuss, let's talk, let's see what we can do together. Uh, so yeah, no, it actually makes sense to me, mate, totally. There could be competition there, but no, why, why on earth would we want that? This is the bigger picture here. Um, so let's just it, it help each other out where we can. Uh, it's, 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 it's wonderful sentiment. It's, it's lovely. I can see the energy. People are hearing us, but I can see the energy coming through the screen. It's, it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Um, What's, in, what's on your horizon the next sort of six months, 12 months, 18 months? What, what are you hoping to try and uh, you know, impact or who are you trying to impact over that period of time? So I'll, I'll, this is, I'm new to the game, really, Gary. So I want to try and sort of broaden my, my network um, and broaden those guys that are almost relying on me, not relying on me, but looking at me for some information. Um, so I want to build, I say following, I don't mean, a, you know, it's not a great word, is it? But if you know what I mean, I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. if I can broaden my horizons in terms of people look to my LinkedIn profile, come to a website, or even pick up the phone and call me, that to me would be brilliant because it feels like I'm having some impact with people. Um, so exposure, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. Um, right. And I think, yeah, continue doing the articles that I'm writing because I'll get lots of creativity. I love doing those. Um, and also in January, I'm hoping to do my own podcasts with Tom. I was talking earlier, Tom Wheelhouse. And it's the same thing. So getting guys on board that have in the police or fire brigade or whatever, um, and talk to them about, well, so what do you do? Have you got some good stories? Where have you gone from one to the other? Are you still in? Have you left? Have you come out? What are you trying to do next? So yeah, just, just get people talking, really, Gary. Like we are now. Just, just get people talking. And just see where it goes from there, mate, to be honest. Um, I don't want to hard and fast put strong sort of rules and regulations around myself. I've got an end game in terms of I'm passionate about this and it's what I want to be doing, but I'm going to let it take its own path. I'm not going to put pressure on myself. Let's see where it goes. No, wonderful. So in terms of your sort of focus areas, the things that do give you the most energy, you know, what aspects of sort of working with people or organisations, you know, really give you that energy? Is it sort of around leadership development? Is it, sort of um, mentoring you know what, what sort of things are you are you really passionate about in that space i really enjoy mentoring i really enjoy it um i like to see people develop and, and incredibly enjoy that 
I also enjoy helping guys out with a sort of general health and well-being. So motivating them to get healthier. I'm, I'm huge into my CrossFit. So um, I really concentrate on my own diet and my own exercise because I see that as a real quite a key point to my daily routine and my overall health and well-being. So I'm keen to help. Other, I've got a sports science background as well. So I'm, I'm happy and I'm keen to help guys in terms of mentoring, in terms of work and home, but also their life, health, fitness. So I enjoy that side of it, but also what I quite enjoy is, and I certainly do this at work now, is trying to teach people, leaders and managers, about how they can best utilise the skill sets that police have and sort of really subtly pointing out, well, do you know this and did you know that? And have you thought about leaning on this person for their, their expertise? It's not obvious on paper, however, give it a whirl. Um, so yeah, really just... I don't know if that asks a question, mate, really. But. Yeah, no, 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 it does. No, it, it, it totally does. I think, you know, what I'm seeing there is this sort of almost matchmaker to some extent, but in a sort of professional capacity, actually, how can I, because I love this as well. How do you connect someone in your network to somebody else? Because you yeah. see the value that maybe someone else doesn't see. I think that's so powerful. More to organisations, you know. Yeah. So, you know, it might be that an organisation recruits the same people over and over and over and over and over again. So they might have a great, and they've not even considered looking at the skill sets of police officers because they just they don't understand what police officers are or they just never embrace thinking about it so if i can sort of explore or demonstrate to other organizations that haven't invested in police officers before say no actually there's opportunity here take it on and that's brilliant because that that solves a problem you've got an organization that needs staff and you've got, what, I think 20,000 police officers in the last five years that are now not working at the police. Well, that's, you know, there's an obvious gap there that the bridge can go over those to say, here's a brilliant skill set for your organisation. You didn't know it existed. Well, here we go. There you go. Let's match the two together. Uh, I think it's just about broadening people's horizons and, uh, and thoughts, really. No, that's it's really powerful. So there's someone, um, the guy called Rich Cooper, a good friend of mine, someone I'll connect you to after this podcast, but he works for um, a major insurer. But he's a really cool character I think you'd connect with well, Ollie, because he not only in, is, sort of works on financial crime, that's his day job. Okay, yeah. But he's a coach. 90% of his job is actually as a coach now. So he's really? a really interesting sort of paradigm from, from a slightly different angle. That's what you're yeah. coming at. So I think, yeah, I'll definitely connect you two after this podcast. Yeah, Be some, some, some good conversations for you two. <laughs> so, so in terms of, I just want to come back to something you mentioned earlier, which was, um, you've written about this as well. We said about police officers not necessarily being seen as being creative. Yeah. Do you mind expanding on that a little bit? Because I think it's such an important skill, both now and for the future of work, but clearly you are creative. So do you mind expanding on that a little bit? Yeah, of course. It's interesting, so I've, um, in, in, in trying to fathom out what I'm about, to who I am, I've had my own life coach in the last sort of five, six months. And, um, yeah, we were digging around about what, who is and what is Ollie Martin. And um, I still gave myself the label of ex-police officer. And, um, and that to me sounded, felt very rigid. Um, and he was saying, well, we were trying to explore what that was about. And we started discussing the fact, you know, you use empathy, active listening, and you 
um, to solve problems. And I said, I remember saying to him, mate, all, all I remember within the police was, if I, if someone says, Ollie, what do you do? I said, well, I'm just really just going to put out arguments or put out fights. You know, that's what we do. Because that's what you feel, that's what you feel like you do. That's what you do on a daily basis. Um, but actually, when we dug, dug into it, mate, and we spent a lot of time literally walking through scenarios, which I've been in, and discussing them and, 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 and digging them over, you are incre- as a police officer, you are incredibly resourceful and you're incredibly creative in all that you do. Because you, you, have, to, you have to use your, your mind, you have to use your talking, your communication skills, you have to use other people around you and influence them to continually solve problems one after another. Now, that might be, you, you, might, you might turn on face value to one scenario which you're going to turn up to, which could be, for example, I don't know, um, you may turn up to a scenario where there's been a road collision. Right, so you think, well, I'm going to turn up to a road, road collision. I need to clear the road and make sure there's no casualties. On face value, you think, well, that's two, two simple tasks to get them to do. In reality, when you turn up, there might be five, six cars involved in that collision. There might be pedestrians, there might be people hurt, there might be people angry because they can't get to work. There might be a tree in the road, there might be, you know, a dog running around. And all you can do is literally continually use your creativity to solve every little problem until the overall problem has been solved. So you have to keep adjusting and using your mindset to say, right, recognise where I'm at, what action do I need to take, get that done, review it, right, what do I need to do now? Another action, do that. How can I solve that problem? And this is all like in split seconds, continually assessing, reviewing. And you can only do that if you've got a creative mind. If you turn up to that scenario and you can't think out of the box, then nothing's going to change. And you have to wait for somebody else to turn up to solve a problem for you, which you can't afford to do because there might be people hurt. There might be people really relying on you to solve the problem in front of you. Um, so you've got to be creative, mate. There's no no two ways about it. And I think that that's overlooked. As a word, I think you, you assume that it's something to do with being artistic or, um, you know, doing something productive that's creative. Whether well, this isn't, this is a pure mindset creativity that, um, that you have to have. It's just saying that there's so much, honestly, it's, it's so interesting this um, for, for me, Ollie, because I'm starting to see a little bit of, and you no, know, please challenge me or, or, or correct yeah. me, but it seems to be, as we're talking, this sort of, it is a kind of under control structure. You know, it has to be to some extent the police force or whether in the army or whatever, but you know, there's a hierarchy for a reason yeah. to some extent. Exactly. However, what's come with that is the over-reliance on masculine language. So, you know, to use a word like creative or vulnerability or care or love or whatever is almost like, no, 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 we don't do that around here. You know, we're a, we are yeah. a force. We are, yes. you yeah. know, we need to be men. You know, so yeah. is, is there some truth in that? Yeah. Is that partly yeah. why maybe creativity isn't seen to be, or called creativity, because that's just a dirty word to some extent? In some ways, right? I think you're right. Yeah. And I think even if it's not, um, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not stated that you can't use these words, but I think, you know, just your mindset in the environment you're in, 
because you do have these very strong structures in place, decision making, whatever else, um, how to deal with conflict, etc. But yeah, I think you're right. You just don't think to be used as more soft words. I'm not call it a softer word, but I don't know what I mean by that. But yeah, you're right. Catalytic word. Yes. A catalytic. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, it's being creative. Yeah, showing some <laughs> showing someone a bit of love. You know, when you turn up to the instant and just show some care, that's exactly what you're doing. And, and uh, yeah, so I suppose those words aren't typically what you might write down in a CV, I suppose, or or what you would refrain from using, perhaps. But in actually fact, this should be used more. And I think, actually, mate, from now I've been out of the place for sort of four or five years, looking back, that's why I'm using these words now, because I'm looking back at it from, because I'm not there, I'm not in it now. I can see it from a different perspective, mm-hmm. which is why I'm, I think I'm actually really passionate about it now, because I see it from a different angle. And I, th- I see it from an angle I think I would love everybody else to see it from, because these guys do an incredible job on a daily basis. Um, and I think we need, if, uh, if, if everyone saw it from my angle, from my point of view, from these guys being empathy, you know, showing empathy, being loving, caring on a daily basis, and supporting people. If we as a nation could all see that more regularly and understand it from that point of view, then those guys wouldn't probably feel so isolated and appreciated more on a daily basis because they're doing an incredible job, incredible job, every single day. No matter what, how big or small that task is, what they're doing is because somebody else won't do it. And that's the point. They're there to solve a problem that someone or other people have created and no one else is willing to solve. But they've put their foot on the line and said, no, we'll go there, we'll turn up and we'll do it. And I think that's so unappreciated. It, it, it really is. And as I said, you know, for myself included in that, you know, we just, we take for granted for sure the services. And I, I really hope that other people learn from you like I'm learning from you this morning, Ollie. Because if I come back to what you just described, to come back to the sort of the business conversation and the alignment with the forces and, and you know civilian life what you just spoke about in terms of mindset and you also spoke about which you may or may not come across so much yet is around there's a big push in the world of work to what's called agile working so you have this scrum approach you know it's um it's high you know they're talking about sprints a short burst of creativity and inclusion but basically you've been doing that for years in the forces you know yeah. that methodology is like daily <laughs> in the moment for you. So I just think there's a huge opportunity, not just from these catalytic skills that you're bringing into the world for your peers, but also actually, you know, the, the agile way of working, the iterative way of working, the minimum viable product way of working, you've been doing for years. So I think there's a really nice message there coming, coming through you it. as well. Yeah, I haven't thought about it from that angle, mate, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I suppose you're right, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. In terms of short sprints, achieve, see where you're at, recognize it, actions review where you're at that end of that short sprint what do you need to do next reply it crack on yeah that's what's right it's just we do different terms don't we <laughs> yeah but, but, but i think what's interesting for me is that the world of work is looking for that now it's like it's almost like a new idea to some extent in the regular business world it's always been in software for many years right, but, okay. not, but not so much in business and i think what's interesting for me is that yeah, you know, the parallels before we spoke today, I could totally see the catalytic skills and the relevance of them and how they're transferable. What I didn't understand before I was speaking was yeah. just how so much of the future of work, you, you guys and girls in the forces, you're already there. 
you know, if you can actually just get that understood by the powers that be, it's like, whoa, it's like big, big opportunity, mate. Big opportunity. Okay, mate. Yeah, I thought it was a good point. Um, I suppose in some ways, mate, that's a little bit where um, I need to learn more in terms of application. Uh, and, and, and I think that's where Tom from Mightify is good because he, He's had more exposure than me at the moment, so he can he's made some parallels and, and drives. But yeah, you're right. So from from educating people to say that these okay, so as a business, this is what you do, um, and these are the structures and whatever you want to, processes you want to apply, apply and work to. Yeah. So in fact, yeah, you're right in terms of police officers, and there's a there's a parallel there, isn't there? We'll, we'll take this offline because I'm really interested. I'm trying to think now how I can use uh, Ollie. Um, <laughs> for a whole bunch of different areas. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely follow up this conversation. We'll follow up this conversation. Um, it's, it's interesting, mate, because I do think police officers do, you know, it's, it's, it will be good to talk about because um, guys will look at the at job. So I'll get contact quite a bit from police officers saying, right, I, was, I want to get out of the police. Um, what do I do? I'm looking at job descriptions. I just can't, I, I can't apply it to me because I'm, I'm not a salesman or I'm not, project management qualification I've not got agile qualification i've not got um you know a, a, a history of recruitment or you know whatever it is they don't see the qualification attached to the, they can't say i haven't got that but what you're saying is and what i'm saying is no you have but just not dressed up in the same wording you know you've got the skill set we just need to educate people that forget the qualification for a minute and just look at what attributes they do have as a person and the experience they have as a person and apply that rather than what it says on the paper. Yeah, and I, I, I can see some opportunities here as well from almost the storytelling part, because I think also in the, in the world of work, storytelling is becoming a, a more pervasive and helpful way to try and manage change. And I yeah. think, again, doing it all day, every day. You know, the number of stories you guys and girls must have must be like rolling off your arm. <laughs> <laughs> so this is yeah. So this is something I've um, I, I really enjoy now. And I've um, speaking with my life coach. Um, one thing that I thoroughly enjoyed doing is public speaking. Um, so I've we talked about how I can how I can do that more, and I do love telling stories. So every time I go to bed at night, when my, my son goes to bed, he says, "Dad, can you tell me all your police stories?" And I have to try and find the comical ones, otherwise it's <laughs> bloody nightmares. But um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of those. But what I love about telling these stories to them, they, they are humorous. There is a clear start, middle and end. And they've actually got some meaning attached to them, which is brilliant. And it's often a subtle little indication of, that I know he'll, he'll close his eyes and think, ah, that's really funny. But then you think about it some more and so he may resonate with it or just just plant a little seed in his mind to think this is how we behave or whatever. Um, so yeah, so part of sort of life coaching that I was chatting about is how can I get on stage or not stage, but in, in, in environments and talk about, again, mate, go about what we talked about earlier, about people have, two people might have the same choice to make, same decision, but they might take different paths. And as a police officer, you've seen how that's panned out for people. Um, so yeah, and I think, you know, really mate, in, in terms of schools as well, you know, helping these guys think about their futures. 
about how they might, um, some of the stories that we have as police officers, how they could help people understand the good and bad choices in life. But ultimately, it is your choice. And ultimately, you need to make it and take responsibility for it and deal with the outcome. It's no one else's fault. Um, so yeah, you're right. Storytelling could be brilliant. I, I think it's, so I think that's partly why the podcast I'm intended to do next year be great because there'll be a whole mix of storytelling involved. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, exci- I'm, I'm excited to hear more of them, to be honest. And well, <laughs> just, just a slight segue. I'm sort of sitting here now going, geez, I really need to get my diet sorted and start doing more CrossFit, as in <laughs> do, do a session of CrossFit. So I might be coming your way just to give me a piece on a couple of occasions. It's, a, it's an absolute game changer for me. It really has been. Uh, it is brilliant. Uh, I've, I've, I've got a little mantra that I say to myself, cope challenge change. And a lot of the stuff I do, I hashtag cope challenge change. It's because when I, um, when I started CrossFit, I was, I was overweight. And I was going to a session, it's an hour long. And all I can remember thinking start off was just get through the hour. Just cope and get through the hour. Just deal with it holes. Don't try and challenge and push yourself too much. Just deal with the fact you've got an hour to get through. And after a period of time, I knew I could deal with the hour. And then it was like, right, now challenge yourself. Really push yourself in that hour. And um, honestly, the, the, and then came the change. So that's the mindset I apply now to everything that I do. But CrossFit was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. I used to play loads of rugby. And um, it's the closest sport I've found that reflects the same energy I'll get from a game of rugby in terms of team, community, everything, everything about it. It's really good. Cool. You you, you know, I am missing my my, um, classes. I used to go and do like body combat and these other things, but um, I've allowed myself to fall out of it. So you're inspiring me to get back on that, on that. Thank you for that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, Conscious, oh my God, we're up to 40 minutes, which is amazing. So um, still a bit more to go through with you yet, mate. Well, yeah. <laughs> you, um, you, your last article that you actually wrote on LinkedIn, which is really, really good, I think it's back in, back in October or September, you were speaking about life purpose and building bridges. Yeah. And I just, want to exp- I just want to explore one of the comments you made, which I think is beautiful. And I just want to just, get, just explore it a little bit with you, which is around never overlook people. They are mm-hmm. the catalyst to everything. And that's not a link to the previous catalyst conversation we had, but like, where, where does that come from? Has that been something that's always been within you? Is it something that's been awoken in you since you sort of left the force out of interest? No, I think I've had it. I've always had that in the back of my mind, um, but I've only fully realized it recently. Um, I think. Also, yeah, I think I've probably dropped into it a few times in this conversation, mate, really, in terms of, they are the catalyst to everything that's going on. Um, daily on a, daily routines, daily work, everything in a home, in life, in exercise, um, how they affect your well-being. Um, but I think people in the workplace can over, easily overlook people in terms of performance and as a solution to a problem. Um, and I suppose what I'm trying to say there is try and engage people more on a human level to see if they can provide a solution to a problem before bidding them off, basically. If someone's underperforming, rather than just saying, right, you're underperforming, um, 
you're on a performance plan or you know you're not giving that piece of work anymore just ask them why what's going on mate why aren't you performing you usually do what's happening um yeah just engage them more and then once i think once you do that and you're sort of a human level you probably find that they, they can be the catalyst to solve an issue that you've got in work or whatever it is um but they are they, they do generate everything don't they so if it's, if we're looking more at technology and stuff, well, someone's got to generate that to work. Someone's got to generate the initiative beyond creating that technology, and that's only going to come from someone, an individual somewhere. So they they're the catalyst in creating that. Um, yes, I think I, I broadly speaking, about, I think what I'm trying to say is just just don't overlook people. It's too easy today just to try. Everyone's obsessed with finding quick solutions. Um, and, and not giving people time of day um, because everything seems so urgent. We'll just put the brakes on a little bit and try and speak to those around you first um, and not overlook them. And perhaps actually, if you dig under the bonnet a little bit, the person sat right in front of you will have the solution to the problem that you've got. For example, I joined Toastmasters International recently, which is a public speaking group. And before I went, so I don't. I had an image of the people that might be in that room. And I thought they're probably going to be really brash people that just don't stop talking. <laughs> because in the days about public speaking, the truth of the matter was, mate, it was full of people, not full, not you know, a lot of people in that room, but the guys that are probably in the in the building, they're very quiet, understated, don't say a great deal, and you could overlook them very easily. However, given the opportunity in that space to talk, they're incredibly fascinating people to listen to. And they've got some incredible thick stories to tell that could be overlooked if you didn't stop and just engage with them. I don't, I, I sound like I'm trying to, you know, yeah. um, I don't want to stereotype, but I'm, I'm trying to say, that it's, I've, I've been guilty of it. I've overlooked people before. And actually, it's always such a huge lesson about how everybody's got something valuable to give. Unless you stop and just give it some attention to detail and give them the opportunity to talk, then you're not going to see it. And they would be absolutely game changer for me being in that group. Um, some people there have just got some incredible stories to tell. It's brilliant. And knowledge. Incredible knowledge. It's it's wonderful what you're saying because you know it's almost as we come towards the end of our chat, Ollie, like it's almost the perfect ending for me because you know, a lot of what I'm doing is all around human centered design. So, you know, my big passion is around. So I've set up a business called the Listening Organization, which is there solely to create a space, to wow. actually a holding space to allow people to stop, so to discuss trust, to discuss curiosity, to discuss well being, and actually just stop for half a day in a room. Because I'm totally with you. You know, all of the resourcefulness is within us. All the ideas and creativity are within us. Yeah. We just have to allow ourselves to stop. I totally, totally agree with you. I think you're right, mate. We, we, I don't know what it is, but everyone just feels like they're on 100%, 100 mile an hour all the time, every day, every minute of the day. And I think you need to create that space just to stop and just think about what you're doing, who you are, how you feel. And um, if you don't feel great, then to, what can you change to do it? But also just create this time for yourself, mate, to, I think you're right, just to be a little bit creative and let your mind just, just flow a little, a little bit. Um, and I think, yeah, I've, I've, I've really come to 
learn to try and deal and cope with that in the last last few months, six months or so. Um, very much so. so that sounds amazing. That, that opportunity you're creating people sounds brilliant. Well, I'm 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 thinking I'm thinking on my feet like literally I I can just already get the this vision of you actually helping deliver some of those sessions as when they come up because I just think your insight your yeah you know your approach is just I just love your human centeredness and I think coming from again stereotypes but coming from the hard forces which of course everyone's human so we don't go in hard you know no. it's the system that we operate within. But fundamentally, I just want to wrap, as we wrap up, just make something clear as well, because I don't want to sound like we're saying that the forces are bad in any way. That's not what we're saying. We're saying they're a different structure. And also what I'm saying, and also the challenges that you see in the forces are no different to the world of work. Yeah. So there's a lack of complete lack of catalyst skills in the world of work today. So that's where I also see a massive opportunity actually in what you're doing, because for you to recognize the importance of those skills and knowing that the world of work isn't there yet. I think there's a wonderful opportunity for you, Wally. I really, really do. Uh, thanks, man. I, I hope so. Man. I, Giles, I could, I'll take any... Um, going back to our talk about being collaborative, you know, I, I don't profess to be, you know, any incredibly knowledgeable or innovative. Um, but if anyone had any ideas to say to me and you, oh, Gary, this is what we need to go and do. How can we get this wider and bigger than, yeah. You know, I'm happy to work with anybody to do anything, but to bridge that gap, if you like, entirely. Yeah, because I think that's what needs to be happening, doesn't it? Again, it's not about competition. It's about giving people the opportunity and actually just educating people. Um, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Look, as we as we wrap up, what uh, is it, uh, final word for Ollie today? What um, you know, what would you like to leave the listeners with potentially, apart from your uh, your your contact details, which would be great. Um, so, uh, crikey, mate, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have to be anything. It doesn't have to be anything. No, contact details. Obviously, I've got a website, olivermartinlifeconsultant.com, which guys can go on and they can message me through that. All my contact details are on there. I've got a LinkedIn profile, which I really appreciate people going on there and connecting with it because I think it's a brilliant tool. It's a brilliant resource. Um, and so if I had to off the cuff think of something to say to people, then I would say just create some time for yourself, you know, whether it's five, ten minutes a day and just think about your, think about your day and think about where, where there's an opportunity to create time for yourself, whether that's sat in the car, sat on the train, sat on the bike, sat at the desk, just create some time for yourself to do something that you thoroughly enjoy and create some space to think. That's what I would do. That's wonderful. And I, I pr- totally appreciate I threw that off the cuff to you. And it's one of the best <laughs> responses that I've ever had. Because I just think it's so, so important. So thank, Ollie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. It's the opportunity. You're brilliant. Loved it. Take care. Have a great day. Cheers. Cheers. Hi there, just Gary Turner wrapping up this awesome podcast with Ollie Martin. I just had so many takeaways. Uh, just want to first of all just just put out a shout out again because I think it's so important to thank him and all of the people that do work in our forces. Um, you know, I take them for granted. I'm sure most of us take them for granted. Um, and I think I was particularly struck by his comment where he was uh, referring to the fact that there's people out there that are doing the difficult jobs, you know, the, solving the problems that most of us don't want to solve. 
and I think yeah, just, it's worth take, just taking a moment to uh, to celebrate those people and uh, and be thankful for, for for all that they do. So thank you, Ollie, and uh, everyone else in the services. I'm really really inspired by Ollie's human centered approach. You know, when we first met each other um, over the phone, you know, I could tell that he was a good guy and an interesting guy and a good guy. But what I didn't understand until this conversation today was just the depth and the breadth of his experience, of his understanding, and this transferable skills comment. It's, yeah, it's, it's been thrown around for a number of years now. I've heard it when people say, you know, return to work, parents, or moving people out of the forces into the real world of work, inverted commas. But Oli, for me, just role models all but the perfect employee or the perfect collaborator. You know, he's curious. He genuinely enjoys collaborating with other people. He's problem-solving skills. He's analytical. He's human-centered. You know, he's vulnerable. You know, if we could actually copy paste Ollie, I think that, you know, the world of work would be onto an absolute winner as, uh, as the, as, as the automation takes hold over the next decade or so. But, uh, you know, I say that with, with real heart and real sincerity because, you know, are we missing an opportunity in the world of work for not actively looking to include or to seek these um, catalytic skills that people that are coming out of the forces have? You know, it's, I certainly wouldn't have understood the breadth and depth that Ollie had if I was just looking at his CV, for example. I don't think you would necessarily pick up on, uh, on, on that, that wide range of skills that he actually has. I also enjoyed how he was le- leaning in and sort of pointing towards servant leadership as being critical going forward. Something that's very, very clear if you look at the work of uh, Gary Ridge and Clem Blanchard, they've, they, you know, they've written books around this topic. You know, if you look at what's going on there, you look at the catalytic skills, you look at the future of work, that we need more creativity, we need more creative problem solving, um, so, you know, cultural and social awareness, etc. You know, people coming out of the forces, we're going to fit this mold fantastically well. So, um, so, yeah, interesting times for me. And I think the other point I just want to add in here is around job crafting. So it's really, really fascinating for me. Um, really, really fascinating how, you know, we've got the work of Rob Baker, the Rob of Rick, work of Rich Cooper and others. And Ollie's clearly of this mold as well, where how can we actually truly have the world of work design work around the role that needs to be done and therefore a, a base skill set and behavior rather than actually job titles or we need someone to fit this particular job role give you a good example in myself you know if i I'm, I'm pretty sure in fact i know that i've got the capability skills awareness and ability to fill pretty much most hr director roles what you never find me in with however is a degree in employee law or 10 years of experience working in a certain sector but is that actually what defines the best person for the role? Or is it actually someone that can shape their experiences, their ability, their passion and their um, desire to actually make the best in that role? So, yeah, I just think we're in a really interesting pivot point for me for the world of work as we hit to, as we go into a more human centered world of work, augmenting with technology. We really do need to shake up how we view recruitment, how we review succession planning and how we review what the best fit actually looks like. Are we looking for best fit or are we looking for minimum viable fit? And then allowing, as Rob Baker says, someone to be able to tailor the role around them. So, so much for me. You know, I'm only touching the surface here with these reflections. But do reach out to Ollie. You know, I really appreciate you helping to build his network. He's, he's going to be a game changer. I can feel it uh, in the making. Along so many of us that listen to this podcast and maybe those that don't. You know, let's keep making our impacts. Let's truly try and make a bigger difference, a difference in the world bigger than ourselves. And I'm uh, really excited to, uh, to get your feedback on this particular podcast. All the very best for now and hope to hear you on the, and see you on the next one. Cheers.